This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Can You Hear Me Now? And it comes from 1 Samuel 3. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can call us with your gift by dialing 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc., ESIRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Now, Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson in our study of 1 Samuel, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Also, you can catch us on iTunes. You can do that by going to the podcast section on iTunes and searching for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. As I said, this week we'll pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through 1 Samuel. So let me give you a quick overview for those that may have missed one or both weeks. Remember, the nation of Israel is going through a transition. They are transitioning from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. And what we see is Samuel is going to be that last judge. He will help uh, anoint the first king and the second king. Samuel is going to bridge. He's going to play a crucial role here. He's going to play the role of a judge. He's going to play the role of a priest. And he's also going to play the role of a prophet as we go through this book of 1 Samuel. God never had intention for the nation of Israel to have a king. But the nation of Israel looked around and they saw other nations and said, we want a king just like they have a king. And so God honored their request and he allowed them to have a king and I think he did that because he wanted the nation of Israel to see that no man, no king is anything compared to him. God was always their king. What we saw before Samuel was even born was his mother, Hannah, had trouble conceiving. She goes year after year to the house of the Lord praying and asking God for a child. And she makes a vow that if God will give her a boy, a son, that she will give him back to the Lord. And she keeps good on that promise. One thing I pointed out is that Hannah is a great model for us. She is a woman of prayer. She's a woman of perseverance. And she's a woman of patience. As we saw, God heard her prayer, and she named him Samuel, which means God hears my prayer. And at the end of chapter 1, what we see is she makes good on her vow that at about the age of 3 or 4, she takes little Samuel by the hand, and she takes him to the high priest who is Eli, and she hands him over to Eli. We also saw the prayer that she gave and how she talked about God and 
Not any of that prayer was about her son, but it was all about God and his greatness and he being almighty and how that he protects those that love him and obey him and how he hands over the enemies to them. And so we saw a model prayer. We saw a model life right out of Hannah. We wrapped up chapter two, looking at Eli and his sons. And we saw that there was this unnamed man that came and he told Eli to get your house in order. His two sons were immoral and they were cheating God. They were stealing from the sacrifice. They were taking the parts that were supposed to go and be burnt on the offering. They were stealing those. So they were effectively stealing from God. But today, as we pick back up, what most folks feel is that Samuel is now about 12 to 13 years old. So that kind of brings us up to where we are today. So let's jump right in. I have a lot I want to cover. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll start with the first couple of verses. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1, reading from the ESV. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And we're going to stop right there for now. So the first thing we see is that the boy Samuel, again, like I said, is believed to be 12 or 13, and we get that from Josephus, uh, writes that, a historian. The Bible doesn't tell us how old Samuel is, but we take that from the historian Josephus. And then also Eli is thought to be in his early to mid-90s at this point. Some of that we can put together because the next chapter over in verse 15, it says that he's 98 years old and he can't see. And here we see that his sight was almost gone. That's what it starts out with. Right here in verse 2, it says that Eli's whose eyesight had begun to grow dim. So again, it's thought that he's in his early to mid 90s. And we'll see, like I say, next week that he uh, is 98 in chapter 4. Anyhow, look back at verse 1 with me. It says, Now Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were no frequent visions. And I want to point out what we're about to study and what we're about to see that happens is a rarity. One of the questions that's often asked is, does God still speak? And if so, how does he speak? And so I want to dive into that real quickly because we're going to see that the Lord calls out to Samuel. The Lord calls Samuel. But I do want to say that the Lord can speak audibly to us today. This is not something that is of the past. Now, it doesn't happen very often. It very rarely happens. I've never personally heard the Lord speak audibly. I've heard the Lord speak to me through his word. I've heard him speak to me, I feel like, through my thoughts, uh, with confirmation from others. But the Lord can speak directly to us, and he does that in several ways. And one is he can speak to us audibly like he's about to do right here in this chapter. First of all, he's God. To say that he cannot speak audibly would put God in a box. And who are we to put God in a box? But that's not the normal way that he speaks. Now, throughout the Bible, we see that God spoke audibly. 
For example, he spoke to Moses and told him to take off his shoes. He stood on hollow ground. Now, he was in a burning bush, but God spoke to him. One of my favorite stories comes out of 1 Kings chapter 19. What's happened in chapter 18 is Elijah has gone to Mount Carmel and he's called out the prophets of Baal and they have been consumed in the fire. They die. And it's and so what happens? Jezebel sends word to him that before tomorrow you will be dead. And he runs. He runs for his life. And he winds up in this refuge, in this mountain, and the Bible tells us right here in 1 Kings chapter 19 that the Lord spoke to him and said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And so the Lord passed by and there was a strong wind and the mountain broke and the rocks fell, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. We see that the wind and the earthquake came, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then we saw fire coming. The Lord wasn't in the fire, but then he heard a small voice. And that's similar to what we're going to see in just a minute. So those are just two instances in the Old Testament where God speaks audibly. Now, in the New Testament, we see it also. First of all, when Jesus is baptized, and we see that in the Gospels, as John the Baptist is baptizing, God speaks and says, This is my son who I am well pleased. The last example that we have in the New Testament comes out of Acts 9, where Paul is on the road to Damascus when a bright light shines and knocks him off his horse onto his hiney. And the Lord says to him, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who is this Lord? And we see in Acts 9, it says, I am Jesus. So what we can get from this is that the Lord is able to speak audibly. Now, he doesn't do it very often. So if someone tells you that they hear the Lord speak to them audibly, regularly, they probably are talking about something in their head or in their heart. They're not talking about true audible voices. But even here at the end of verse 1, we see that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And that also says there was no frequent vision. That's another way that the Lord speaks to us. A lot of times it's through visions or through dreams. And that's a separate discussion from today. But that is another way. God can speak to you directly, and he does it through a method of he could speak to you audibly, even though it's very rare. He can do it through a dream or a vision. Most of the time, though, the Lord speaks to us through his word. The Bible tells us his word is living. And as we read his word, it, he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit convicts us, and we take what we learn and what we see in his word, and we apply it to our life. Others will tell you that God gives them a word to come tell you. And what I would challenge you on that is that that is very true. The Bible tells us that people speak to us with a word of knowledge, but God will always speak to you to confirm what that person is saying. The word of knowledge is not that someone says, hey, Tim, God told me to tell you because that God may have told them to tell me something, but he's already told me. And that is a confirmation of what he's saying. Be careful when someone tells you God told you something. God hadn't spoke to you yet. Be very careful with that. But what we see in verse two and three is that Eli's old. He can't see. He's laying down in his place. Now, we don't know where that is, but that's somewhere around inside of the tabernacle. And it tells us that Samuel, though, was lying down near the Ark of the Covenant. And God would come into the Ark and his presence would be there. And so here he is laying near that. And then we see in verse four, look with me at verse four, that God calls him. 
Then the Lord said to Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you call me. But he says, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli. And he said, here I am. And you called me. But he said, I did not call you, son. Lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And that's key. We'll look at that in just a second. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And in verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you have called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So what we see right here in verse 4 through uh, verse 9 is that the Lord starts calling to Samuel. And he wants to give Samuel a message. He's teaching Samuel his voice. One thing I want you to see too is that Samuel didn't recognize the voice and he thought it was Eli. So he ran to Eli three different times. A lot of time when we think God speaks, it's like thunder. It's like lightning that's happening. And that can be the case. We see that through the Old Testament. But here it is similar to what happened to Elijah. It's a small, simple voice. And it's so simple that he thinks that it's Eli. And he runs to Eli three times. And Eli tells him, boy, I didn't call you. Let me go to sleep. What does an old man have to do to get some sleep? Finally, Eli understands what's going on. And he tells him, okay, next time you hear this voice that calls out to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And that's what we need to understand. We hear that small voice speaking to us. We need to be careful. We need to listen to that voice and say, speak, Lord, for I hear you. Because the Lord's wanting to tell you something. This reminds me of a story I heard of a pastor that went to Israel, took people with him. And while he was out there outside of Jerusalem, there were sheep, uh, multiple sheep, multiple shepherds, had their sheep out grazing. One of the shepherds decided to peel away and go in a different direction. And so he called out to his sheep. And his sheep lifted up their head, saw him walking, and they took off. The rest of the sheep never lifted their head. What this pastor saw was exactly what Jesus says in, in chapter 10 of John, that my sheep know my voice. I tell you all that because we have to learn the voice of God. And how do we learn that? It says right here that Samuel did not yet know the voice of the Lord. Well, one, we learn it by spending time with the Lord, listening to that small voice. And as we hear those things, we check it against his word, against the word that's in the Bible, because the Lord will never contradict himself. Sometimes that small voice may not be the voice of the Lord. It could be of something else. It could be us personally wanting to hear something, or it could be the evil one that's speaking to us. But anyhow, we should always check the voice of the Lord against the word of God. It will never contradict itself. And then we also need to realize we've got to build where we understand and recognize that voice. You know, when I pick up the phone and call my mom and dad, I don't have to say, hey, this is Tim. My mom and dad already know by my voice that this is Tim. When my mom calls me, when my dad calls me, I pick it up and I can immediately recognize their voice. 
And so just like we can recognize our family's voice, we need to be able to recognize God's voice as he speaks. And we see that Samuel had not yet known the Lord. And that's what it says in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. We've already seen three times that the Bible points out that Samuel ministered to the Lord. So Samuel was a godly and obedient boy. He served the Lord wonderfully. He was doing what he was taught on how to serve the Lord, how to minister unto the Lord. Yet he had not yet given his heart to the Lord. What I want to come out of verse 7 is it doesn't matter if your mom and dad are a pastor or an evangelist or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter if you are a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher, whatever. If you have not given your heart to the Lord, then you don't yet know the Lord. And there comes a time when we reach that age of accountability where we understand that we are sinful and that we need the Lord and we turn our heart over to the Lord. I point all this out because there are people that go to church today that think they're a good person, but that won't be enough. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as though one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. What this means is that we've all sinned. We all inherited Adam's sin, and we've got to make ourselves righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way we get to heaven. I hope none of you are sitting here going, well, is sin really that big a deal? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal. Life in Christ our Lord Jesus is eternal when we accept him. Sin is a big deal. And until we take care of it, until we are justified through Christ, then we are not going to heaven. But the good news for you and I today is that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us. Romans 8, 5 8 tells us that, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And so if you have never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, today is the day to do it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So today, If you believe that Jesus died for you, if you confess it with your mouth, then you will be saved. So if you don't catch anything else, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And if you don't know him today, you can just by confessing with your mouth. But we see that Samuel goes to Eli the third time. And at this point, Eli starts to understand what's going on, that the Lord is trying to speak to Samuel, yet he doesn't know him yet. So he tells him to go lay down. And when he calls you, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so that's what Samuel does. The Lord came back the fourth time. And it says that he stood, this time more like a vision. He stood there calling like the other time saying, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. And then in verse 11, it says, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming 
God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned by the sacrifice or offering forever. We'll stop right there. So what we see is now the Lord starts speaking to Samuel and he tells him, I'm about to smoke your teacher. The one that is bringing you up in the admonition of the Lord, the one that is teaching you how to minister to the Lord, I'm about to take care of him and his house because he has allowed his two sons to blaspheme God. He did a little too late. He didn't restrain them while they were doing that. As he heard these things, he didn't immediately take care of it. Now, what's going on here is God is preparing Samuel at this early age because he's going to become a prophet and he's going to have to say things. He's going to have to speak for the Lord in truth and not worry about what the outcome will be. And what he's learning at a very early age, at the age of 12, is that the very man who's teaching him how to be a minister is about to get spanked by God. And even though Samuel didn't know him in verse 7, we're seeing now that God is starting to reveal himself to him and how he's going to use him. He goes as far to tell him, though Eli's house shall not be atoned for by a sacrifice or an offering. I mean, that's a terrible judgment. What it really means is that it's too late. The opportunity to repent has come and gone. The judgment was sealed. And that's something else we can pick up from this part of the scripture. It's not too late today, but eventually the Lord will come back or you will die. But there will come a time when you can't repent anymore. And at that point, your judgment is sealed, just like the house of Eli was. So when we are given an opportunity, when God stands at our heart and knocks, we are to respond. We should respond and we should give our heart over to God and ask for forgiveness at that very moment. So we have seen the call of Samuel. We've now seen the message to Samuel. Let's look at what happens as the rebuke against the house of Eli is, comes to pass. Look at verse 15 through 21 with me. Samuel laid until morning, and then he opened the door of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he's told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Bathsheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So what happens here is Samuel goes and lays down. And I assure you, he didn't sleep anymore that night. Samuel is probably rethinking everything that's been said to him. And the morning time comes and Eli gets up and he calls him and he and he's scared to say anything. And Eli tells him, you better tell me, boy. I tell you that if you don't tell me, you can't hide anything from me because God has told you he wants you to speak. And so Samuel gets brave and he tells him everything. He hid nothing from him. But look at the response of Eli in verse 18 when he hears what God has said. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. To me, that almost seems passive. Now, again, we're reading this out of the Bible. There could have been some 
uh, passion around this, but there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of repentance. I think Eli understood that the time had come. He's an old man now. Remember, he's in his 90s, and he knows that this is a judgment that's coming down, and there's probably nothing he could do. But I think maybe if he had tried to repent, even though it says up in verse 14 that I swear to the house of Eli and the iniquity of Eli's house, there shall be no atonement by sacrifice or offering forever. I still think we've seen time and time again. Think about when Jonah went to Nineveh and they told him that if they didn't repent, they were going to surely die. God was going to wipe them off the map. And what they did, they repented and God forgave them. And so I, I wonder if Eli had taken this a little bit more serious, if the judgment we're going to see next week in chapter 4 would have actually taken place or if God would have forgiven. And then in verse 19 through 21, we see that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Now what that means is that his word did not return void. Also, we see that from Israel to Dan to Bathsheba, that everyone saw Samuel as a prophet. And we're going to see that everything that he prophesies that was told to Eli that God told him comes to pass. And I like the way verse 21 ends. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So we see that we know that Samuel by this knows who the Lord is because he appears again at Shiloh. And this is a place where Samuel learns who the Lord is and it is revealed to him who he is. There is nothing that compares to having the Lord with you, to know the Lord and to know that he's with you. Paul wrote in Romans 8.31 that we can stand confident that if God is with us, then who can be against us? And we see that the Lord was with Samuel. And the other thing I want you to catch, and what I've already told you, one of the best way that God reveals himself to us, and it says right here that God revealed himself to Samuel by his word. By getting in his word, God revealed himself. And when we will get in God's word, he will reveal himself to us. When God is moving, he will him reveal himself by using the word of the Lord to reveal himself. I'm out of time, so let me close with this final thought. I named this lesson, Can You Hear Me Now? The question is, can you hear God? Do you know his voice? You know, there's the commercial where the guy is going around with the phone going, can you hear me now? 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 The question is, if God is speaking, can you hear him? I've heard it said that God is like a radio station and we're like a radio. We have to tune into him. He is always speaking. He is always broadcasting. Are we tuned into him? And so my challenge to you today, are you tuned into God? Are you like Samuel? Do you not know his voice? Because today is the day where you can fix that. If you do know his voice, are you tuned in and are you listening constantly? Do you have a personal time with him? Do you spend time with him daily? If we want to recognize God's voice, if we want to be able to hear clearly, then we need to know his voice and we need to listen for it. We need to be tuned in. The question is, can you hear God? Do you know his voice? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for our time together. Lord, we thank you for this time as we've studied 
And we see that young Samuel had not yet learned your voice. Even though he was ministering to you, even though he's ministering in the Lord, he had not heard your voice. He did not know your voice yet. And Lord, that you spoke to him. Even though it was rare in those days, you spoke audibly to him. And Lord, you didn't speak in some scary or thunderous way, but you spoke in a voice that he thought it was Samuel. But Lord, we thank you that you do still speak. Even today you speak. You speak through your word. You speak through visions. Lord, you speak through the Holy Spirit on our hearts and in our mind. And Lord, I pray right now for those that are not tuned into you that they would get into the word. Lord, if there's something that's blocking that's that your broadcast, the things that you're trying to say to them, Lord, they would turn it over to you. Lord, they would use prayer to ask for forgiveness of what's standing between you and them. Lord, for those that don't know you, Lord, I ask right now today that they would confess with their mouth and they would believe with their heart that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for their sins and you overcame death. Your word tells us in Romans that that's all we need to be saved. It's really that simple. And for the ones that don't have a deep relationship with you, Lord, I pray today you would tug on their heart. Let them understand that they need to spend time in your word so you can reveal yourself to them. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for the blessings you give this ministry. It's in your name we pray. Amen.